The world is more complex than ever. Who can make sense of it? Join Reverend Michael Angley Oguche on NUMA Podcast each week as he shows you how God's Word connects directly to your life in this age and helps you navigate trials and tribulations. If you want to deepen your relationship with God and learn what He has in store for you, listen and subscribe to NUMA Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for NUMA Podcast. Hello and welcome to NUMA Podcast, bringing your way today the inspired Word of God, and I hope you will be blessed. Hello, and God bless you today. It is another lovely time to fellowship and discuss about God. The book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, lets us know that God wills and desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, because the truth is who makes us free. Salvation is a once and for all event or experience through faith in and confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But coming to the knowledge of the truth is something believers will do for the rest of their life. The Word of God is eternal and it is the only thing that we shall be taken with us after this fallen world comes to an end. Knowing about God is like equipping a soldier with military gears. John, who calls himself the Beloved, says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Most of the problem the believer has is not a problem of the devil. It is a problem of knowing. That is why we are talking about understanding the nature and character of God. People do not know the nature and character of God. People do not know God's person. This knowledge will give you a good ground of victory in life and establish you in the will of God. When you know the nature and character of God, things become clearer to you about this life and the Christian faith. When you know what God has said, when you know what God cannot do, when you know how God behaves, when you know God's thoughts and plans concerning you, when you are no more in doubt of how God feels about you and his expectations of you, it frees you to live life to the fullest, knowing what is expected of you and what you are expecting from him. This is actually the second part in our series on understanding the nature and character of God. But before we continue, I'd like us to pray. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity to learn about you. Thank you, Lord, because you are a loving Father and you have made provisions for us to learn about you. Today, as we continue in your word, we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Our eyes are enlightened. We have understanding. Your word comes to us freely, unhindered, and without error. You are glorified, and we are edified in Jesus' name. Amen. We shall still hinge our study on the main text we used in our last lesson. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. It reads, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it 
and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Last week we saw in our key text that the disciples did not just follow an unverified truth. John broke it down to us as the eternal truth from the beginning which was manifested as Christ Jesus. He gave a pattern which follows a scientific procedure to establishing truth that cannot be contested. The disciples followed Jesus after running him through Genesis to Malachi and now John wants us to share in the same understanding. In our last lesson, we saw a few things to consider when studying the Bible. First, we saw that the scripture that is from Genesis to Malachi was and still is about Christ. So whenever you are reading the Old Testament book of the Bible, you must pay attention to what they were saying or what they are saying ahead of what was done. Stories, events, people, places, and things all bear witness to and symbolize the birth, suffering, death, burial, resurrection, and of course, glorification of Jesus Christ. Christianity and the Bible are the story and life of God coming to save man from sin, darkness, and destruction. Let's read Luke, Luke chapter 24, verse 44 to 47. It says, These are the words which I spoke unto you, Jesus speaking here, while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, This is Thus it is written, and thus it behoves Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Secondly, we saw that the Bible was originally written to a specific people, that is, Israelites, by messengers of God who were themselves Israelites and therefore they wrote using their own history, their culture, and their language. This way we saw that the Bible was not written to us but for us so that we can benefit from them. Finally, we saw that the Bible is a single thread of the story of salvation and must be read and interpreted together with that mind. The Bible does not back up your facts. The Bible is the wholesome, perfect truth of God's word. The Bible is the story revealing God, revealing God's love for mankind, God's love for family. God has love for family and therefore he decided to create everything and made, made man in his own image so that man can share in his nature and character as man rules the whole of his creation. Over and over again, we have established that Christ is the nature and character of God. 
In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, we saw how God's declared intention in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, referred to the redemption plan, which was finally revealed as Jesus Christ in John chapter 1, verse 14. He says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Therefore, to study God's nature and character, we will have to study the Christ, because Christ is the Word from Genesis to Malachi. God is a spirit and cannot be accessed by man. It can only take God to reveal himself. That was why he became a man in Christ and manifested himself to all. Let us see verse 14 and 18 of the same John chapter 1. Verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In this verse 14, John does an interpretation of this event as he did in his episode, that after they saw Jesus manifesting the full character of God's word, they identified him as the physical representation of God. Verse 18 says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. Jesus is the faithful and true witness of the nature and character of God. If you want to know God, you will need to learn about Jesus. Jesus is God, who is a spirit revealed to man. In John chapter 14, verse 6 to 11, Jesus chided with Philip and Thomas, saying, Jesus said unto them, I read, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in my Father, and the Father in me? The word that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Here now is a summary of this lesson so far. We can see here right now that Jesus is the nature and character and person of God revealed. Therefore, as we read the whole Bible, whatever Jesus did is what God does. And whatever Jesus will not and did not do, God cannot and would not do. This is really very remarkable and has direct implication on the many ways that the prophets and teachers of old described and referred to God. In our key text, which is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, we saw that God is good and in him there is no darkness at all. So whenever Jesus was met with a difficult situation, he responded exactly as God would have if God was in the same situation. In Luke 9 from verse 41, 51, sorry, the disciples were responding to the challenge with Elijah's background. But Jesus showed them the Father's way. Let's read to verse 56. 
it says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, will thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. This is NUMA Podcast. God bless you. Keep listening. God's plan has always been to save man from the beginning. When you talk about the grace of God, which is the manifestation of God's nature and character, you are talking about his essence and eternal personality. There has never been any evil or wrongdoing with God. God has never killed. God has never destroyed. God has never tempted anyone, nor has he ever been tempted by anyone. But throughout the Bible, we see several controversial statements contradicting the nature and character of God. Let's take a look at some of them, like the account of Noah and the flood, for example. This is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 to 8, and I read, and it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the, in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In our previous study, Christ, the game changer, we established the law of cause and effect, and learned that rainfall was not an original creation of God. Rainfall was a consequence of man's fall and God came on the scene to save man through Noah because he saw the flood coming as the devil's attempt to destroy mankind as a consequence of sin. Today we want to discuss the term used to describe God's action when man's wickedness increased upon the earth. First of all, let me clear the air that the sons of God referred to here were men and not angels as erroneously taught by many. Angels are neither male nor female. That's number one. Secondly, the reproductive system is for procreation and sexual pleasure on earth by man. Also, God has never called angels sons. 
Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says that they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister, that is to serve man. Angels have nature different from man and cannot have sexual relations with humans. In the same Hebrews chapter 1 verse 5, we are told that God never adopted angels nor referred to any of them as his son. Sonship began with Adam and was established in Christ. Having made that clear, let's look at our key concern in this scripture of Genesis 6. We have also established that you must never conclude that the words used in the Bible to explain or describe a situation means the same things as they do today. You must always go to the places where they are used. You need to understand their culture and language so that you can identify the specific meanings and context of the usage. So we can say that the original meaning and intention of the writers along with the culture of the people that the messages were written to are important elements in the understanding of the Bible. For example, when you see the word repent or repented in the Bible, the first thing that would come to your mind would be a change of mind or regret for a wrong decision or action and the attempt to change and make things right. This may be the case for man, but not for God at all. This can never be the case for God because the Bible says in Numbers chapter 23 verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Had he said, and shall he not do it? Or had he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Don't forget that Genesis and Numbers are books both written by Moses, and therefore Moses was not contradicting himself. His use of the word repent and repented had different contextual meaning in their usage. This scripture in numbers is sacrosanct and becomes a filter for every representation of God with regards to change of heart or action. This clarifies to us that when Moses was writing the account of the flood of Noah, the repented that he was referring to would not be that which applies to man. Repented used here is a Hebrew word nakam which has a series of meanings such as to be sorry, to console oneself, to regret, to comfort, to be moved with pity, have compassion, to repent, to suffer grief, to ease oneself, etc. In all of these, when you compare Genesis 6 with Numbers 23, you can see the difference. If Moses is saying that God is not a man that he should repent or the son of man that he should change his mind in numbers, he is telling us that we must never use the word repented with God as we would use for man. So then, Nakam, repented in the case of Noah, would mean that God saw man in darkness and self-destructs and took pity on him. Because God's disposition has always been to save, he revealed his plan for man's salvation in Noah. In fact, the name Noah means the one who shall bring comfort to us concerning our work and toil of our hands in Genesis 5.29. Another controversial statement about God's nature and character was in the temptation of Abraham. Genesis 22 verse 1. It reads, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, 
and he said, Behold, here I am. In this account, we see Moses showing that it was God tempting Abraham. But this is because of a background we already laid in our previous lesson, that the people of old had limited knowledge about God and the devil. So they naturally would credit every occurrence beyond human capacity to God. Whatever would happen that they could not explain, whatever would happen that they could not trace to a human being, they would always say it was God. So we see this too in the case of Job, where his friends would try to convince him that his predicament was God punishing him for his faults. But we all know that every wrong thing happening in the world is a result of Adam's fall. And so when people are suffering, it's a product of sin. It had nothing to do with God, like we said, cause and effect. Even Job himself had said that it was God who was behind his misfortune. And then he said in chapter 1 verse 21, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This he said concerning his children and his, and his properties that were wasted. First of all, because we have the oversight of the introduction of Job's story, we saw that the devil or Satan was the cause of all of Job's misfortune. Notice also how poorly the writer represented the scenario by saying that all the sons of God came before God and Satan also came before God. This is completely impossible. God dwells in unapproachable light and in him is no darkness at all. Satan can never and will never come into the presence of God. Satan is the man of sin himself. Sin can never dwell in the presence of God. For no man can come to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. When therefore God came on the scene to weigh all of their discussions, Job's friends were proven wrong as well as Job himself in their representation of God. That's in Job 42 verse 7. In the book of James chapter 1 verse 13 to 17, as we round up this edition, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man with evil. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. From this emphatic instruction, we see that the temptation of Abraham was not from God. Rather, God stepped into the situation to save Isaac, who would have been slaughtered by the devil. Remember that in the garden, God had promised a seed to Eve that would crush the head of the serpent. And since then, the devil had been targeting the seed. See how he corrupted the sons of men and tried to destroy them with the flood. The fire of Sodom was another issue. Keeping Sarah barren and attempting to kill Isaac are all examples of how Satan is always out to destroy. Look how many firstborns were killed in Egypt, the snake bites in the wilderness, the various attacks on the children of Israel when they disobeyed God, and the killing of newborns by Herod when Christ was born. 
all of these and more were the works of the devil. God always came on the scene to help and to save. This is God's nature and character. God's nature is good. God is love. God is patient. God is kind. There is no evil in God, neither is there darkness in Him. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Today, we know that God has never, will never do anything evil. Evil came into the world as a result of man's fall, as a result of man's disobedience of the instruction that God was daily putting before him. Today, we now know that God loves us. God loves the whole world. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for always showing us mercy, even when we reject your goodness. Thank you, Father, because your peace is in Ukraine and the light of the glorious gospel that shines there and all over the world will cause men to see you and to fear you and to come to the knowledge of God, his love, his loving kindness and goodness. The whole earth is filled with your knowledge, Lord. As the water covers the sea, as the devil tries to rear his head in every nation of the earth, we see the hand of God causing your light to shine, causing your love to be seen, causing goodness to show. Thank you, Father, because there is peace in Ukraine and there is peace all over the world as men are daily yielding themselves to you. Thank you for your blessing, Father Lord. We love you so much, Lord. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the NUMA podcast. I pray that God will richly bless you until I come your way again.